be on this word for weeks, plural. Uh, just gotta, I believe we've got to get some things in us that will set us free. And so, if you're here today, you're here by divine appointment. Also, I want you to understand this. Don't miss the next few weeks, guys. There's going to be things that will cause you to be liberated. Here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse 14. But their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains, unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ by Jesus. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on the heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And so what it's talking about here is the Old Testament was based on the commandments that Moses gave. The New Testament is based on Jesus Christ. And I love the part in verse 16, it says, When one turns to the Lord. When one turns to the Lord. So the introduction to Christianity is when I give my heart to Jesus, when I turn to the Lord. Now look what happens in verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom in the Lord. You want to hear a good reference of that? Listen to the Amplified. It says about liberty, it's an emancipation from bondage to freedom. Now our nation paid a good price for you and me to be free. Through wars and battles, but even spiritually, Jesus paid a huge price for me and you to be free. And so here what's happened. When I read this right here, it says here that where the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. Now here's the dilemma I believe that starts happening with us. We give our heart to Jesus, but from the time we give our heart to Jesus until we get to heaven, many times believers feel like they're stranded. We're, we're alive, but we're dead. And I don't believe this, because I'm not downplaying salvation. I love to see people get born again. But I don't believe that Jesus just died for me and you to go to heaven. Now that is big. That's a plus. But in John 10.10 it says He came to give us life and that more abundantly. And so I believe Jesus wants us to live in liberty. He wants us to live in freedom. He wants us to be set free from things. And even in Isaiah 61, 1, it says that Jesus came to set the captives free. And so I think Jesus wants to give us a better life. He wants to help us to move forward in some things. How does that happen? Well, keep reading verse 15 or verse 18. But we all with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. We are being transformed into the same image. Now, you think about transformation. Transformation is not an overnight experience. When you see a butterfly flying around, that butterfly didn't start as a butterfly. It was a transformation. Actually, he was a worm. And so, a transforming into the image of God, it's a process. It takes place sometimes over years. Now, I get tickled when I have young married couples in my office, and the wife says, Pastor, I wish my husband was like you. And I look and think, if you knew me 30 years ago, you wouldn't say any of that. Because you're getting to see a transformation that's taken place over years and years and years. And one of the greatest things you can understand, husband, is you'll figure out the key to marriages is just in two words. Yes, dear. 
Once you got it down, you're going to be in great shape, boys. You're in great shape. But it's a transformation. And so right here, you see we're being transformed into what? Into His image. So as long as I do what? Well, keep reading here and I think this will help us. I'm being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so when you look at all this, that the Lord will transform us into His image. But understand this, that your face is like looking into a mirror and it reflects the image of Jesus. So as long as I keep looking to Jesus, there's going to be a transformation that takes place. There's going to be some freedom and some liberty. Look into the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4. Now my, my freedom from bondage doesn't come from myself. It comes from the Lord but I have a huge part to play. And you say, well, what's my part? Well, our part is we've got to learn to be obedient to the Scriptures. When the Word of God tells us to do things, I must heed the Word of God. I must heed the divine Scriptures, the divine Word. Now, when I look at this, the question arises, why do people live in bondage? Well, I believe the reason we live in bondage, ones of us in this room today is because our experiences in this thing called life. And what life does, it affects the heart at times. Well, what do you mean? We've been hurt. We've been bruised. We've been beaten up. We've been abandoned. And we've been rejected even. And so those things in our lives, they bind us up. And what ends up happening, I can't live in denial. Because if I live in denial and I try to ignore the things that have happened in my life without ever dealing with them, it leads to this. A root of bitterness, unforgiveness, and I never repent. Now it's big for each one of us because every one of us in this room have experienced things. The key is i got to follow God's Word for my life and when God tells me to do things, I must do it. So one of the first things you got to do is recognize I got some issues in my heart. I got some problems. That's not a slap in your face. Every one of us have had things happen to us in our life. But if I don't recognize it, I won't ever deal with it. So one, it's to recognize, it's to be able to admit and say, I got some issues. I got some problems. The next thing I got to do is I got to deal with them. I can't think that these personal problems that have been birthed in my heart, will just go away. You know what happens when I don't ever deal with them? It keeps me from walking in freedom. And every one of us in this room, at one time or another, we've swept our problems under the rug of life. And thought, it'll just go away. It won't just go away. It won't go away. You know, I was around a, a guy who was almost 70 years old back in January, and he said this to me. He said that they like to get a bunch of 18-year-olds, and they take them for a whole year. And he said during that time span, they break them down. And I said, what do you mean you break them down? He said, we get them where they open up. They're able to share, to communicate the, the hurts and the pains they've already received as teenagers. How, how many of you ever think about this in the Word? Flee youthful lusts. So many of the things that happens to us happens in our teenage years, whether good or bad. And so if I don't ever deal with the things that happen to me as a teenager, they're going to show up. How many of you realize with an apple tree? 
That whether you're thinking about it or not, that apple tree's roots are going down and down and down and down. They're growing right now. And one day, you know what they're going to do? They're going to come up and they're going to break that concrete in your driveway. And you're going to say, how'd that happen? Same thing happens in our lives. When I quit looking at the problem and think they're going to go away, they're not. And so what happens when we become adults? They say that between 40 and 55, all the things in your life will start coming up. We call it a midlife crisis. You know what it's from? It's from adults who've never dealt with, dealt with past hurts in their life. So I'm around a, a, another minister on Monday who's, who's close to 70 years old. And he said this to me. He said, Pastor, do you ever feel like in the body of Christ that all we do is we put band-aids on things? And I said, absolutely. Absolutely. I said, I look and I think, you know, I see, I see cycles in our lives, our patterns in our lives. And it, it seems like there's, there's never real victory, real fruit. And he said, let me give you an illustration. He said, it's like when you mow your lawn. You cut off the heads of those dandelions. And he said, what happens? And I said, man, for the next three or four days, my yard looks wonderful. It looks incredible. And he said, but then what happens? After a few days, have you ever noticed those dandelions? Man, he said, the issue within the body of Christ is we've just cut the heads off. We've never dealt with the roots. So these next few weeks, guys, we're going to deal with the roots in every one of our lives. And this may make you feel uncomfortable. This may make you lift up the rug of life to things that you've hid for, for years. But I believe this, guys. When I see that Jesus came to set the captives free, when He came to heal the brokenhearted, when He came to break the yoke of bondage, I believe He still does those things. And that's been my prayer. And the Lord said, let's just stay after this. Stay after this. Now, I'm not preaching a quick fix. I'm not preaching instant gratification. See, so many times in our churches right now, you know what we want? We want people to come up and lay hands on us and say, pray for a miracle. Pray for a miracle. Well, that's a great thought. But most of the time in our lives, you know what the Lord asks us to do? Is to walk it out. And that's a day-by-day-by-day-by-day by day by day by day process. And so my goal here is not to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but begin to look and say, okay, are there things in my life that keep me in bondage? Hebrews 4, verse 11. Let us, me and you, therefore be diligent. That word diligent means to put forth an effort. Put forth an effort to what? To enter the rest or the rest of God. And look what happens if I'm not diligent. Least anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now what causes me to fall is my disobedience. What am I disobedient to? Well, look at the very next verse. He gets into, for the Word of God is. I believe any time in your life and my life, when I disobey the Word of God, I'm going to fall. I got to learn to start heeding the Word of God. He said, for the Word of God is what? It's living. It's alive. It's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. And so the Word of God is effective. It's active if I'll allow it to. Now when we talk about the Word of God, you can hear it referenced in two ways. The logos, which means the written Word. 
or the rhema. You know what the rhema means? It means the spoken word. Now when we talk about rhema, when you're facing difficulties or problems in your life, one of the greatest weapons you can use is the rhema. What's that mean? The spoken word. You begin to speak the word of God out. And it becomes like a weapon. How do you know that? Well, Ephesians 6.17 said this, The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now I'm going to tell you right now, when I start living by the Word of God, it's like I'm taking a sword and I'm swinging it. When you speak the Word of God, it'll do precisely what it says. Now keep reading here. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents, the purposes, or the intentions of the heart. And so when we want freedom, guys, you know where freedom comes from? From the Word of God. You change a person's heart and you'll see freedom. Freedom doesn't come from the things on the outside. You know how we all usually try to deal with, with things? We think, I need to get a new hairdo. I need a new car. I need a new purse. I need a new address. No. All those things are external things. i got to get the Word of God on the inside of me. And the Word of God, he says, will change the intents, the purposes of my heart. Now, so many times in our life, guys, we try to look at external things to change us. To change our behaviors. But what ends up happening when we always try to go with external things, we get stuck in life. How many have you ever been stuck in life? And what do I mean by that? There's cycles in your life. There's patterns in your life. And you can say, well, for two weeks I did well. And then I fell off the wagon. I did good for three days and then those darn dandelions came back again. See, what he's talking about here is I got stuck in the world, or I get stuck in this world, and when I get stuck in this world, it leads to a thing called the blame game. I don't like how I am, so guess what I do? I start blaming anybody I can. I blame the government. I blame my mom and dad. I blame my spouse. I blame the church. I blame my boss. I even blame you, pastor. I know you do. I'm just kidding. And then the worst is we start blaming God. When reality is this, guys i got to begin to let the Word of God teach me, and i got to live by the Word of God. Now, the thing with the Word of God is it'll do exactly what it says it'll do. God puts these things called perimeters or boundaries around us. If I live within those perimeters and boundaries, you know what happens? I'm blessed. Life is good. When I get outside those boundaries, it's not so good. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel 15. Now, here's some thoughts I want to give you right now. You know, it's been said this, that if you could kick in the seat of the pants the person that's caused you the most harm in your life, you wouldn't sit down for a week. We've caused the most problems in our life. But here's the thing, I want you to understand this today. That we have a, a, a thinking in the church right now that... If I don't obey God, God will still bless me. Because that's not true. That's not true. God's not going to bless you unless you obey Him. 
And then the second thing we have is that we think in the back of our minds, well, when I do wrong, all I have to do is repent and there's no consequences for my sin. That's not true either. There's consequences for our sin. How do you know that? Galatians 6 says that you're going to reap what you sow. You're going to reap what you sow. And so I can give you the perimeters of the Word of God, but it comes down to this. Do I obey them? Do I obey the Word of God? God wants to bless me, but I must play by His rules. And to do that, I must learn to obey the Scriptures. Now here we are in 1 Samuel 15. Samuel has anointed this guy named Saul as king. And God told Saul to specifically do some things, but he didn't do them. How many of us have ever read the Word of God and we know that God asked us to do specific things but we chose not to obey Him? But then our mentality is, God, I want you to go ahead and bless me. Pick up with me here in 1 Samuel 15, verse 10. Now the Word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king for he has turned his back from following me and has not performed my commandments. So right here, guys, this ought to tell me something. How do I show Father God that I'm going to follow Him? To follow God is to obey His commandments. Now guys, I'm not a legalist. I'm not into legalism. I love mercy and grace. I speak grace over my life probably 50 times a day. But I do realize there's consequences in my life when I don't obey Father God. There's going to be consequences in your life when you don't obey. And people will say, well, I don't live by the Old Testament. Well, let's get over to the New Testament. Ephesians 6, 1 says, Children, obey your parents. For this is the first suggestion with promise. That's not what that verse says. It says, Children, obey your parents. For this is the first commandment. Commandment. It didn't say suggestion. And so Father God right here has set the boundaries, the perimeters, and He says this, that if you'll obey your parents and honor them, your life will be well with you and you'll live long on this earth. But see, we have this mentality that I don't have to obey my parents, but yet God's going to bless me. When you live that way, you're breaking the 13th commandment. You know what the 13th commandment is? Thou shall not kid thyself. There's not a 13th commandment. That's, that's, that saith me. I'm just showing us here, guys, that so many times in our life, we don't want to look at the consequences of disobedience. This is what happened to Saul right here. Read on down with me into verse 17. So Samuel said, when you were little, and he's talking to Saul, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not the head of the tribes of Israel? He's talking about how humble he was. And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Malachites, and fight against them until they are uh, consumed. Now that word consumed there means exterminated. Wiped out. And God spoke to, to Saul and he said, listen buddy, wipe them out. The men, the women, the children, and wipe them out. But look at verse 19, what he says here. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? 
Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And so he gets right over here and basically he's saying to Saul, Saul, you substituted God's Word for your judgments. You substituted God's Word for what you thought was right. Have you ever done that? I have. I have. And I thought, you know what? I see what God said to do. But you know what? I don't have to do that. And the bottom line is, anything that I know to do but I don't do, it's called sin. And you know what the Bible says about sin? The wages of sin is death. That's not good. Now I believe this, guys, with all my heart. The pastors around America have gotten an A-plus in teaching the body of Christ about the blessings of God and the promises of God. We love to talk about the blessings and promises. You know why? Because they're dessert. The blessings and promises of God, they make me feel good. And most people come to church and they say, make us feel good. But we've done a lousy job, we have, of teaching about the consequences of sin. I believe we flunked, we failed. Because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but the bottom line is, unless you know the truth, the truth is the only thing that will set you free. And so you must understand this today. There's consequences for sin. There's consequences when I don't do what God asks. Skip over to verse 26 of that same chapter. Does it get better, Pastor? Absolutely. Hang in here. Verse 26, But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Now see, I, I highlighted the word reject in there. Because I know specifically at times in my life, I've rejected the things of God. And there's consequences for that. Verse 27, And as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the his robe and it tore. So Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Now when I see what Samuel says right here, he tells Saul, because you rejected the Lord, the Lord is going to give the kingdom to someone who's better than you. What did he mean by that? Well, that person was a man named David. He's talking about King David. And when he said this about Saul, he's better than you. I know he wasn't bigger physically than Saul. He wasn't stronger than Saul. I know David didn't have the leadership qualities that Saul did. All David had ever done up to this point in his life was tend sheep and play the harp. So what was God or, or Samuel saying to him? What made him better then Saul, 1 Samuel 16, the very next chapter, look at verse 7. And you'll see right here, with me and you, what God is in search for. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for the man looks at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart. So what's God in looking for? What's He after? He's after a certain type of heart. David was better. You know why? Because the condition of his heart. 
The condition of his heart. You know what the condition of David's heart was? I want to obey you, Father God. I want to please you. And to this day, this is what God's looking after. He's looking for in this. See, your future isn't about your appearance or where you live. Your future is based on the condition of your heart. I want to read a passage here. You don't have to turn here with me. This is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. Listen to this. My son, do not forget my law or my word. But let your heart keep my commands. Let what? Keep his heart. Keep our commands. Our heart. Guys, I got a purpose in my heart. I'm going to live by the word of God. And look at the fruit of this. This is Proverbs 3, 1. For length of days and long life and peace, they will be added to you. The rewards for obeying God is long life. It'll be well with you and peace. The Word of God will defend you. The Word of God will help you. But the bottom line is, i got to make the Word of God priority in my life. Where are you going with this, Pastor? I'm going somewhere. We're getting there. Go to Psalm 51. The 51st Psalm. I want to talk to you a little bit about this guy named David. Talk about his heart. Because remember, Samuel said the Lord was after this specific type of heart. But when you study the Scriptures, this guy named David, he had failed many times. This guy named David, through Scripture you find out he committed adultery. He had a man killed. But one thing I want you to see about David, and this will help you and me because God doesn't expect us to be perfect. But there is a thing in here that when I do blow it and you do blow it, there's things i got to do. And look in Psalm 51. We're going to start in verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from... My iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. And against you, you only have I sinned. And so guess what David does here? He takes responsibility for his life. And when David blew it, you know what he did? He was a man enough to go and said, I repent. I repent. You know what First John 1 John 1.9 says? That if you confess your sins, Father God will forgive you and cleanse you. There is a guideline for me and you. If I don't repent, God won't forgive me. Now, in saying that, I believe this, the way to freedom in our lives is I've got to be a person that, number one, I recognize i got some issues. Number two, got to deal with things. And you know how you deal with things? We've got to become people that repent and forgive. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty five, He said, if you don't forgive others, I cannot forgive you. You know what this is? This is doing the Word of God. This is doing the Word of God. Well, where are you getting at? When you study this out, guys, they say that 80% of all disease in our families, in our lives, are directly tied to a spiritual root. 
80% of all disease is tied to a spiritual root. What would a spiritual root be? Well, you know what number one is? Unforgiveness. The Bible says that if you don't forgive, He can't. I've got to learn to obey the Word of God. If that's tied to unforgiveness, how many people in the body of Christ are held captive because of unforgiveness? Now, you've got to realize this, guys. I'm not saying what was done to you wasn't right. But I must do what God said. I believe the reason that the captives aren't set free, because God can only do within His boundaries what He said He'll do. Now this is where I'm talking about, guys. we got to lift up that rug, and we got to get that junk out from underneath it. And I realize that's going to probably rekindle some things within you maybe. That's okay. Our goal here, and through this, I'm telling you guys, I sense the Lord saying, when people start walking in repentance and forgiveness and get those roots of bitterness out of them, you know what will take place? My captives will be set free. The brokenhearted will be healed. And so God's wanting to respond. See, how many times have we heard in the body of Christ, well, God's do, uh, the, the Scriptures say this, but God's not doing that. No, God will do exactly what He said He will do if we will meet the condition. I tell you guys, we've got to start doing this. We've got to start living in forgiveness. You know, about a year ago, I was around my own brother. I didn't know this was going on. He's two years older than me. Uh, when he was seven, he had cancer. Uh, his left clavicle, they took 129 stitches to cut it out. And so they said he'll never live out of his teenage years. He's 52 now, he's still alive. He believed God and God moved in his life. But a year ago, I'm around him, and I notice he's got this, this shot. And I said, what are you doing? And he looked at me and he said, I've been diagnosed as a diabetic. He said, I'm having to take insulin shots. And I looked at him. And he said, you know, in my life I've believed God to heal me for cancer, from cancer three different kinds. And God always has. And he said, this time now, the Lord said, I'm not going to heal you right off the bat. You're going to have to walk this out. And he said, why Lord? And he said, if I heal you right now, you won't change your eating habits. He's addicted to sweets, guys, I'm going to tell you. If you took him to eat a year ago, the first thing he'd look at was the dessert menu. But then he said this to me. He said, I begin to study on these lines where the spiritual root of diabetes gets into our bloodlines. Do you know in the world right now there's over 300 million diabetics? 300 million! Actually, it's 327 million, I think the last report was. You know what he said to me the root of it was? The root of diabetes is I don't want to disappoint anybody. I don't want to disappoint anybody. And so it's like a, a, a spirit of fear comes upon us. And he said, in my whole life, I never want to disappoint mom and dad. I didn't want to disappoint my teachers. I didn't want to disappoint the football team. I'm the quarterback. I didn't want to disappoint my kids or my wife. And I didn't want to disappoint people in the church as the pastor. 
And he said, because I allowed that to embed in me, that root took place. And I began to look at this and I began to think, but Jesus said, I came to set the captives free. I came to heal the brokenhearted. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I know you still do those things, so what do we got to do? I got to start doing the Word of God, guys. Obedience is vital, 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 vital. It's vital. That you and me, guys, if you got unforgiveness in your heart, and I'm not saying what people hadn't done to you wasn't right, but if I got unforgiveness in my heart, guys, I bind up God being able to move in my life like He wants me to. He wants to set me free, but I got to hook up. Now, look at verse 10 of that. Look at verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. You know what the, the Amplified says? I think it's the message that says this. Make a fresh start in me. Make a fresh start in me. Now, this is King David. He said, make a fresh start in me. How many of you in here today would like a fresh start? Woo, hallelujah. I'd like a fresh start. It's kind of like on this road to life. We're driving along, and man, it seems like all we have is disaster after disaster. And it gets a little better than disaster again. Well, if that's the case in your life, that you keep having disasters over and over, stop the car and do a U-turn. Look what he says next. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now I love this in the message because you know what it says here? It says, shape a Genesis week in the chaos of my life. You know what Genesis means? A new beginning. So you know what David says? Lord, shape a new beginning in the chaos of my life. Now none of this happened until he took responsibility for his life. He repented, and after he repented, he began to pray this. And you know what God did? God, God started him all over again in life. David lived a full life. I believe God wants us to do that. But listen, guys, I cannot bypass the curse that goes along with sin and disobedience. Now here's what I believe is going on. That God wants to sanctify us. He wants to clean us up. You know how He does that? When we repent and we forgive. And you start walking out forgiveness day by day by day. And when I become, when I'm sanctified by the blood of Jesus, I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be healing. There's going to be the captive set free. There's going to become victory. But it is vital that I learn to obey the Word of God. You want freedom? Well, this will help some of you today. I'm going to give you a new definition of what it means to be on Facebook. Facebook. It's deep, isn't it? Some deep stuff, Pastor. You're really sharp, Pastor. <laughs> no. Facebook. I've got to get my face in the book. Here's just a thought for some of you. If you spend as much time on Facebook as you did in the Word, oh, we better not go there. <laughs> Don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good. <laughs> some of you cringed at that thought. Oh, Pastor, we're going to withdraw. 
I've got to make the Word of God priority, guys. And I believe this with all my heart. That if we begin to recognize, I've got some things within my heart. That's not saying we're bad people. It's just saying I've got some things in there and I've got to deal with them. And a lot of people don't want to, to admit they got issues. You know what? If I, miss, if, if, I, if I admit i got issues, you know what that means? Now I've got to deal with it. Well, that's right. But for me to walk in the freedom that Jesus is talking about, I gotta look and say, I got some issues. I got some issues. And even in my own life, I looked at things, and I'm just gonna say this right now, that if, if you're addicted to drugs, to alcohol, to tobacco, that's not the root. I'm gonna tell you that right now. All those things are is something that will medicate you from the things that are really hurting you on the inside. How do you know that? Because I was a drunk for all those years of my life. And when I realized alcohol wasn't the issue, the issue was some things in my heart that I had to deal with, then I got rid of the symptom of alcohol. Many of you are turning to that, to alcohol and drugs, but you know what? That's not the issue. Something happens to us in our lives, and if we allow that something to take root, it'll Choke you. Stand up with me. Stand on your feet. Now, I'm going to tell you guys right now. You get in just a little glimpse. You've got to understand this. Guys, I've got six weeks of stuff rolling around in me. I mean, I told them in the first service, I can tell the Lord is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. And I'm wanting to take off here. You know what? We could go home for lunch and you could come back in an hour. I could go for another hour and a half. And then you could go home for the afternoon and take a nap. And I said, come back at 6 and I'll go for another hour and a half. That's how much stuff is flowing around in me right now. But I believe, I believe this, guys. We're going to be transformed week by week by week by week. And I told you the story early that the guy said it's going to take a year. It may not take a year for some of you. It may take a few weeks. But when I start dealing with things in my life and saying, okay, Father God, I got some hurts. I got some issues. See, I, th- I think a lot of the things that happens to me, even in my own life, guys, the Lord showed me that the reason that alcohol took a, such a stronghold in my life was because I yielded to a spirit of rejection. How do you know that? Well, I talked about my brother a minute ago. Me and my brother are really close, real close still to this day. But he's seven years old, I'm five, and they tell my parents he's going to die. He'll never make it to 18. So everybody that comes to our house, they come to see my brother. He's going to die at a young age. We want to come here. Anytime we did trips, most of it was centered around him. Let's make some memories here because he's going to die at a young age. And so what happens here to me, I'm not of no value. I'm not of no importance. But that wasn't my my mom and dad's desire. That wasn't them. They loved me. But because I begin to view it as that way, something began to take place. And I remember going through sports that I would show up at school and and my brother guys was a tremendous high school quarterback, had a lot of opportunities to play college football. And I would walk into the locker room, you know what the first thing they'd say? 
Are you a quarterback like your brother? And once again, you know what came on? Was comparison. And I sensed rejection. And I had to fight it, guys. I mean, who would have thought that God would have used both of us as pastors? But you know what happens now? We're compared. We're compared. He's a pastor and I'm a pastor. And you know how most people compare us? By the size of our churches. His is a lot bigger than this. And so guess what? This blood-sucking leech calls rejection comes after me. And my way of escaping is to get drunk. It medicated me. It numbed me from a reality. See, that's how I know that this... I better watch how I'm saying this. This stuff is moving around on the inside. You're not bad people. God loves us. Hey, you're good people. We've just allowed some things. And you know what happens? We go across this thing called life and we think... Well, this is how it is. This is how it's always been. And so we believe that lie. And because of it, we're held captive. There's never a real freedom. And this is the cycle. This is getting stuck. Not no more. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm going to tell you that right now, guys. Man, I got in here and I prayed Friday. And I said, Lord, I'm believing you right now. Folk are going to get set free. Ones in this house that have had broken heart. Some of you have had broken heart for 30 years of your life. Longer maybe. I tell you, God's going to heal your heart. Today? I don't know. I'm never going to put God in a box. That's why you got to be here every week. We're going to add to it each week. Bow your head with me. Father God, we love you today. We love you. And I thank you, Father God, for every person in here, Lord. Father God, I know right now that you know every heart in here. You know every, every thought, every dream, everything that's been dashed and shattered, Father God, in our lives. But always oh, the God that picks